It's Thursday, April the 7th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Russia retreats from Kyiv and Zelensky calls new sanctions weak. First, the world in brief. The Pentagon said that Russian forces have now completely withdrawn from around Kyiv, Ukraine's capital, and are regrouping across the border in Belarus and Russia. They may now be preparing a frontal attack on Donbass, a risky strategy. Thousands of people have begun to flee the eastern region, and Ukrainian authorities said they were trying to set up humanitarian corridors for evacuees, quote, while it is safe. Meanwhile, Mariupol's mayor said at least 5,000 residents have died during Russia's siege of the port city. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said Russia would perceive newly proposed sanctions by the West as, quote, weak and be taken as, quote, permission to increase attacks. The EU is meeting to decide on new economic penalties, including a ban on imports of Russian coal. America announced sanctions against several members of Russia's elite, including President Vladimir Putin's adult daughters. Meanwhile, Hungary broke ranks with the rest of the European Union by saying it will pay for Russian gas in rubles, rather than dollars and euros, if the Kremlin requests it. Its newly re-elected Prime Minister, Viktor Orban, is a long-time chum of Mr Putin. The International Energy Agency said 31 member countries will release 120 million barrels of oil from emergency reserves to push down fuel prices, which surged after Russia invaded Ukraine. Half of the allotment will come from a drawdown of petroleum reserves in America that President Joe Biden announced last week. The price of Brent crude, the international benchmark, fell to its lowest level in three weeks. Janet Yellen, America's Treasury Secretary, said the country would boycott G20 meetings in Bali later this year that include Russia. Last month, Mr Biden called for Russia's expulsion from the club, and Russia's ambassador to Indonesia said Vladimir Putin planned to attend. Meanwhile, on Thursday, countries will vote on a resolution to suspend Russia from the UN Human Rights Council. According to Reuters, Russia warns that supporting the resolution would be seen as a, quote, unfriendly gesture. A small number of Ukrainian troops are being trained in America, according to the Pentagon. The soldiers, who were already in America before the war started, are learning to operate switchblade drones, remote-controlled flying bombs provided to Ukraine as part of a $1.7 billion military assistance package. The Pentagon also said that Ukraine could, quote, absolutely win the war. Other news. Republican lawmakers in Oklahoma voted for a near-total ban on abortion. Women will only be allowed to end pregnancies in a medical emergency to save their lives. The state's governor, Kevin Stitt, has committed to sign the bill into law. Armenia and Azerbaijan agreed to peace talks to resolve the long-standing tensions over Nagorno-Karabakh, a disputed territory with which they share a border. Leaders of both countries agreed to set up a bilateral commission by the end of April. Minutes from a Federal Reserve meeting in March showed that bank officials, quote, 
generally agreed to slash the Fed's $9 trillion balance sheet by $95 billion a month. The reductions will be phased in over at least three months. Samsung Electronics, the world's largest chip and smartphone maker, reported a first quarter profit of $11.6 billion, a 50% jump over the same period last year. Sales were boosted by strong demand for memory chips. At fact of the day, 9.2%, the size of Elon Musk's new stake in Twitter, making him the largest shareholder. And now, here's today's agenda. Turkey and Saudi Arabia. Politics before justice. The next hearing in the Jamal Khashoggi murder trial may be the last. For almost two years, a Turkish court has been trying 26 Saudis for their alleged role in the killing of the Saudi journalist in Istanbul in 2018. The case was symbolic. The suspects were being prosecuted in absentia. Still, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president, vowed to see it through. He once called Mr Khashoggi's murder the most, quote, influential event of the century after the 9-11 attacks. No longer. Turkey's justice minister has agreed to move the trial to Saudi Arabia, where it will almost certainly be halted. The court will probably acquiesce on Thursday. That would be a big step towards fixing relations between Turkey and the kingdom. Mr Erdogan believes detente with the Saudis will help boost Turkey's sputtering economy. The lira has withered and inflation is at 61%, a 20-year high. Justice, as ever in the Middle East, takes a back seat to geopolitics. The Plight of Afghan Women The new Taliban are starting to look a lot like the old Taliban, who ran Afghanistan from 1996 to 2001. Then, adulterers were stoned to death, and women who failed to cover every inch of flesh were beaten. Things changed in the two decades of American-backed government. Many women now have degrees. Before the Taliban seized power last August, almost 30% of civil servants were female. Last month, the Taliban reversed its decision to allow girls to attend secondary school, sending them packing on their first day back. It was the latest in a string of repressive acts. Women are now banned from travelling long distances without a male chaperone. The chaotic way in which decisions have been publicised suggests a split between hardliners and pragmatists within the Taliban. The only hope for Afghanistan's women is that measures shutting them out of public life could be undone as quickly as they were announced. France's race to the polls Three days before the first round of the presidential election on April 10th, the polls are narrowing. The Economist's forecasting model still makes Emmanuel Macron, the sitting president, favourite to win, with a 4 in 5 chance but this probability has dropped significantly in the past two weeks. Our model gives Mr Macron's closest rival, the nationalist populist Marine Le Pen, a 1 in 5 chance of victory. 
France will hold a head-to-head -head vote between the top two candidates on April 24th. Jean-Luc Mélenchon, a far-left contender, is the only other candidate with a chance of making the runoff, though he currently lags in third place. This week, Mr Mélenchon held rallies in 12 cities simultaneously, thanks to a hologram projected onto the stage. But time is not on his side. At midnight on April 9th, France will impose a ban on new polls and campaigning. The idea is to give voters space to think about their choice calmly, free from the political cacophony. By invitation, Kaya Kalas on the atrocities in Ukraine. This is an excerpt from a guest essay by the Prime Minister of Estonia. You can read the full article at economist.com. The Kremlin is sending its youth to die and is slaughtering innocent people and shelling their homes en masse. And what for? For the sake of Vladimir Putin's imperialist ambition. By now, it has become abundantly clear that although the Soviet Union collapsed, its imperialist ideology never did. The suffering and devastation in Ukraine is far from over as Mr Putin's strategic aims have not changed. Negotiations at gunpoint offer no magic formula for avoiding another war, and peace at any price does not mean that atrocities will end. Here I am, speaking from the experience of my own country. For Estonia, and many others after the Second World War, peace meant the beginning of the Soviet occupation with its huge human cost. It brought renewed suffering through mass killings, repressions, mass deportations, and other crimes against humanity. Estonia's experience reminds us that our first focus today must be on how to help Ukraine free itself from occupying forces, restore its territorial integrity, and stop Russian aggression. Golfers beef up. 25 years ago, a young American golfer played four of the most memorable rounds in history. Tiger Woods won the 1997 Masters at Augusta, Georgia, setting records for the lowest score, 270 strokes, and the widest margin of victory, 12. Mr. Woods could thwack a ball a long way. Golf course designers tried to, quote, tiger-proof their work by making courses longer. In 1997, the Augusta National was 6,925 yards, 6,332 metres long. For this year's tournament, which begins on Thursday, it is 7,510 yards. This fairway creep has encouraged golfers to beef up. As courses lengthened, those who hit the ball harder, like Mr Woods, have gained an advantage. Following a life-threatening car crash in February 2021, the veteran champion hopes to make a comeback at the Masters. He is not among the favourites to win. The three golfers who are, John Rahm, Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson, are among those with the longest driving distances. Golf has inadvertently become a power game. Daily Quiz our baristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme.
email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. Which Minnesota-based airline group merged with Delta Airlines in 2008? Wednesday. Which actress directed Passing, a critically acclaimed movie of 2021, starring Ruth Nagar? Finally, here's the quote of the day from B.T. Barnum, who died on this day in 1891. The desire for wealth is nearly universal, and none can say it is not laudable, provided the possessor of it accepts its responsibilities and uses it as a friend to humanity. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.